Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries, featuring Dave AC, The Sixth Doctor, and Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, we're back with more Doctor Who. And, uh, of course, joining me, as always, uh, it's Mr. Dave Cooper. Dave, say hello to the lovely people at home. Dave, Dave, say hello to the lovely people at home. Sorry, I was signing my answer. Didn't you get it? It's audio, Dave. It's audio. Oh. Hi, Ian. Good to be here. Good to be here. I was just, you know. And holding, up a sign, and holding up a sign <laughs> saying NASA or bust. It's, uh... I'll put this finger down now, Ian. Oh, I'm translating. <laughs> <laughs> and holding up a sign that says NASA or bust is Kyle Jones. Hello, <laughs> sir. I am totally, totally translating. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, Glad you could join us again for a part two. Oh, can't wait. Or can we? Or, I, I, I've, or just had a, I've just had a horrible thought, Ian. It's about me again, isn't it? No, no. If I'm signing and Kyle is translating, does that mean me and Kyle are in love? No, it <laughs> means that we are, uh, our brains have been upgraded. There you go. Oh, well, let's hope there's no, no explanation of that later in the episode. <laughs> oh. Well, I regenerated last week. I'm upgrading this week, so there you go. Ah, we go. There you go. All right. Yes, we are talking all over the top of the next episode of Doctor Who, which is called Before the Flood. Uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, we were talking all over the top of Under the Lake. Of course, Before the Flood is part two of that story. It used to be easier to do this when they were all called the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, this is part two, and... Um, and I think we are all ready to go. Gentlemen, do you have your official BBC copy of Before the Flood ready to go? Indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. I tried it out especially. There you go. Okay, and if everybody at home is ready, we shall begin in five, four, three, two, one, play. Previously. Second. Wish somebody would rewrite this episode. Oh, what? (laughs) I still enjoyed part one. Part one to me was very good. It was. And I still like that uh, full view of him upright in the water. I think that works. Mm. But this I didn't particularly like. No, it was. A little forced to me. Well, sometimes, sometimes when I'm watching a, a, a film or you go to movies, and you see you see and you think, oh, they're going to use that in the trailer. They're going to use that. You know, it's almost added in for that reason. Some people were surmising that um, they were going to show that Clara was in the TARDIS at one point here, and he was actually talking to her. But it's very clear; it's straight to camera. This, yeah. But now, didn't he do that in Listen last year? 
Didn't he do listen, something he very was, similar? I think he was talking to himself and listen, though. Yeah, uh, this, yeah, he was sort of... I mean, that look straight to camera there is, is definitely breaking the fourth wall. True. Not the fourth dimension. Right. Uh, and also, it makes this uh, more of a prologue, really. True. But I do like the idea of the paradox. Right. I do understand what they're doing here. Is it's is it's kind of a beginner's guide to the bootstrap, bootstrap paradox, you know. Mm. And it's a way of explaining what they're about to do. True. Here's the interesting part coming up. Oh, Magpie Electronics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if he's going up to Volume 11. Yeah. No, it'd have to nice be 12, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's definitely 12. <laughs> and fading into the uh, music as well. Yep. You know, the... Well, it does look more 3D depth in this. Right. Really? I mean, You're right. as though it's prepared for 3D, I mean. Well, that's what um, Dar Skeptical oh. uh, surmised, that they had uh, used the... Sinkered. Uh, they, they had redone the titles for the 3D uh, for the theatres, and then they used those title masters to for the new series. Definitely seems more that... Toby yeah. with us, was it? Oh. Widows, yep. Uh. <laughs> now, this totally mixed me up. For a start, I didn't recognise this girl straight away. I mean, I know it's daft that. I'm thinking, he's got a new companion. <laughs> and you know, when I was uh, watching the credits or the previews last week, I was thinking that the um, the city was going to be full of people, not just just a few people. Right. Are basically abandoned because really and truly you've got the caretaker and the Fisher King and that's it. Yeah. Right. On the live show today, Darth was saying uh, that that Russian name is a, a a real place near the Black Sea and is actually a lovely place near the coast. Uh, and I think the name actually means something like beautiful place. Mm. So he does better research than we do. <laughs> <laughs> This like she goes all fangirly. Yeah. But wanting to be cool in front of the doctor. Uh-huh. Mm. I wonder how many of us would do that if, if we yeah. were in her position. Yeah. When I saw that dummy, I thought, oh, God, the Nestine are going to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Reminded me of a film I saw once. This when they did this, where where he survives in a fridge from a nuclear explosion. I'm trying to remember what the film was called. Oh, it's Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Is it? Is that yeah. the one where he jumps in a fridge? Yeah. Yep. And he's in a deserted village like this, isn't he? Yeah. I don't remember the spaceship being as black from the outside. Oh, that sort yeah. of. Neither did uh, I. Uh, you know. Right. iPhone slate grey. You know. Ah, two power cells. Mm. 
And I like how yeah. they, the, the inscription on the wall is not there when they get there. I like that. Right. Uh, here comes Mr. Honori. Prentice. Played by Paul K. Swiss didn't sit right up. But of course, we did find from the from the original captain in part one, um, their personas as ghosts are not like their personas as real people. Mm. But it does seem a bit of a shock. Oh, I didn't know they were doing that. They're making a TV miniseries of Fungus the Bogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> it's in post-production right now. And uh, he plays uh, the bogey hunter. Well, he does very good at being irritating. Mm -hmm. An irritating alien chipmunk. Yep. And, uh, he was also had parts in, in Humans. Um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Did, did anybody think as well, when you were thinking that he says a funeral director, I remember the Sarah Jane one where the, the vulture creatures were... The, right. The, oh, yeah. Uh, sort of funeral directors of the world, of the universe. Uh, that was with Katie Manning, and uh, Matt Smith was in that too, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. The Death of the Doctor, that's what it was called. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> could have used that title for this. Mm. Meanwhile, was... on the Enterprise? <laughs> I think it was a standout image that and floating there. Mm. Are the crew of the Enterprise still on board that serpent? That, Inter uh, interesting how uh, next week's uh, adventure, spoiler alert, <laughs> is uh, involves Vikings and it's a Viking ship behind them. Oh. I wonder if there's any link between this episode and next week's episode. Well, pay attention to what they're wearing. Mm. If they have yellow, red, and blue shirts on, <laughs> we'll know. Well, well, there's some connection, because, I mean, um, parts one and two, if you remember, were bookended by the um, the young Davros scene. Right. And this particular story is bookended with... Uh, Oh, oh! Well, actually, it's this one episode, isn't it? Where it's bookended with the uh, the Beethoven book. book uh, but I get it right. Bootstrap. Boots paradox. Yeah. And playing Lun is uh, Zaki Ismail. If he's listening to this, I'm very sorry if I just butchered your name. It's not my intention. And there's somebody commenting on today's show. They're doing FaceTime. <laughs> I do like the fact that they rotated the, uh, the screen. Right. And kept doing so back and forth. I thought that was cool. Um, he has uh, been in uh, Indian Summers, Series 2. And then has done a lot of theatre. Uh, he uh, 
productions of uh, As You Like It, uh, Light Shining, Uncle Vanya, mm-hmm. and uh, most recently Summerfolk. You know, Ian, you made a comment last week about product placement at some point, and I just mm. thought of something. Last uh, season, we had Missy using an iPad. This season, we have them using an iPhone. So, mm-hmm. inter- you know, t- the, the Time Lord chosen device, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Her accent comes out when she's uh, happy, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> And my thought here was, so really the people behind him can't hear what he's saying? Well, when they do a long shot on this, I don't think you can actually see them in the room. Mm, Good point. Like he sent them off. Ah. And I was so trying to see the telephone number, if the, but you couldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, by accident, because I meant uh, she was born in Blackpool, Lancashire. Mm. Well, you love me in any... <laughs> mm. You certainly see more of it there. No, no, now. they're sitting on the steps still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give a first uh, time check. We're already at 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Now, this is again where he, he emphasises the fact that he can't mess about with uh, what's already happened. Which mm-hmm. goes all the way back to the first doctor. I think he's the first one who said that. Mm. Nah. Inscriptions. Are you my mummy? <laughs> Another connection to the mummy on the Orient Express there with the uh, the wrapping right, bandages. True. It's very effective that how they filmed it. Mm. You have to pay absolute attention when this it's it was only on my second or third view. That was good. I like that. Very good. The imagery of him looking like the ghost without the eyes, very cool. Yeah. Now, Jeff was wondering why he had to release them. Why hadn't they been able to release themselves from inside the uh, Faraday cage? Because obviously they can operate things with metal. Right. But I'm assuming that they'd locked the internal controls, and that was why... Somebody outside had to let them out. Oh, I love this part. 
He's a huge admirer. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh... Didn't Matt Smith say that on one of the um, the Ganga ones where he's talking to himself? Probably. What? That's the tenth what? doctor, that. And since we're just watching at the moment, I'll just say I'm drinking a Chateau Fazan Minervois 2013. Very nice here, but it's a bit powerful, 14.5%. Ooh. And I'm drinking a Labrie a Bordeaux Blanc Sec. 2014. And I am taking it in by osmosis. <laughs> well, you're probably in training. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little spaced out, I have to admit. Um, let me do a little bit of uh, work here. Overnights for this were um, at 4.38 million. Still very low because we've still got the international rugby on. If you remember from the previous week, that was only 3.7 million. Um, we didn't have the AI rating when we did the last um, uh, commentary. So the AI rating on uh, um, under the lake was um, 84, but the, the AI rating for this is not yet out. I suspect it'd be a couple of points lower, maybe 82. But interesting that they've all been in the 80s this up to now. And, of course, aired first time here in the UK on the 10th of October, 2015. Again, rather late viewing, Ian, 8.25. So, um, with yeah. the with the long, the longer showing of Strictly with all the contestants. Yep. And uh, on our screens playing O'Donnell is uh, Morven Christie, who's uh, most recently, uh, actually, she did... Uh, uh, voice work for Dragon Age uh, Inquisition, uh, but also uh, parts on Grantchester, uh, from there to here, Death in Paradise, 2012. Oh, there you go, Lost in Austin. She played uh, uh. Jane Bennett in Lost in Austin. Right, that was the time time version of that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And now, have we got three actors playing this Fisher King Ian, in different guises? Yes, we do. It's a uh, collaboration, I guess you could say, <laughs> or a conglomeration. Or a just stealth. Uh Neil uh, Finkelton is playing the the physical embodiment of the Fisher King. He's uh, seven foot uh, seven and three quarters. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So there's not a lot of height added to that suit, I don't think. <laughs> I think it's mainly him. Um, he's appeared in Game of Thrones, X-Men First Class, 47 Ronin, and uh, Jupiter Ascending. Well, that was an actor's draw if I ever heard one. So, in Game of Thrones, he, he would have had to have been one of the giants, I'm assuming. No, a midget. 
<laughs> really? He's an actor. It's a stretch, I know. Or a shrink. No, or, or, or condensing. <laughs> and, of course, Corey Taylor is uh, providing the roar of the Fisher King. Um, Corey Taylor is uh, uh, best known uh, as the lead singer uh, in Slipknot. It always amazed me of the it was the guy out of Sliders, Reese, whatever he's called, uh, uh, that played one of the the dwarf axemen in uh, Lord of the Rings because he's a great big chap, and the picture to play. Wee fella. Yeah. And I think he played the tree as well, didn't he? He did the voice of the tree as well. Anyway, um, that's. Yeah, uh, Corey Taylor. Um... Was also found by uh, VVN Music to possess the second highest vocal range of any known singer in popular music, uh, with a range of uh, five and a half octaves. Wow! And wow! So Doctor Who picks him to do a roar. <laughs> yeah, I think Mar- Maria Carey famously had four and a half octaves, so that is impressive. Clara. This is where he gets a bit upset, this guy now. Yep. And rightfully so. Yeah. Of course, he's more aggrieved, as we find out later, because he has feelings for her. Un, un, what's the word? Un, uh, unmentioned. Feeling, un, yeah. yeah. Undisclosed feelings. There you go. Oh, his battery's died. He should have charged it. Nope. Nope. Now, although there were a few frightening moments like this, I thought part one was definitely uh, creepier. Well, I think in uh, part one, you had a little bit more suspense going on in the fact of you knew, well, you knew so little. Here you feel like by the end of the hour, we're going to have a resolution, whatever that resolution may be. Mm. Right. I did think that was cool that she came and picked up the phone. Again, I think on today's show, somebody said, well, it had to be an Apple phone because it had to be a metal one. (laughs) If it had been a plastic phone, couldn't pick it up. Right. (laughs) Couldn't, Couldn't have been the Model C. Uh, ah. close to Bell again. And my thought here, whenever I was watching this, was you let him go to Trenzalore, and even against your own wish- wishes, but you don't let him go save Clara in the future. I mean, inter- I just found that I, don't, I really had n- no words other than. Hmm. Well, unless you say that the TARDIS takes him where he needs to be, not where ah, he wants to be. Right. Good point. And it's nice. To, I didn't notice that before with both TARDIS there. Mm. I think that dummy's moving the phone box. It's a heck of a long phone call. I wonder how many uh, uh, 
How much money you had to put in that phone? <laughs> and playing Bennett is Asher Ali. He is a. Uh, Got a bunch of stuff actually. Uh, the The Darkest Universe, which is in post production, just completed work on uh, Remainder as Naz, and a TV movie called Alt, playing Callum. Uh, but there's also been an author in George, The Guilty, Beaver Falls, and Silent Witness. Mm. Because he's upset there because he wants to go and warn her. Yep. Because at this point, she's still there alive. Something that occurs yep. to me that the doctor needed her dead so he could get out of the suspended animation chamber. You know, Clara's dress there, it's not made out of the same material as the doctor's trousers were, is it? Don't think so. Uh, no, but it is the one that was in that preview image, isn't it? Of uh, of the two of them running. What? We figured this out last week, Clara. What? Catch up. Oh. Yeah. We were clever. But this is also, they make the point, she, she's she's learning how to think more like the Doctor, you know. You know she's, we need <laughs> Where normally she would never put people in harm's way before, prior to meeting the Doctor. Right. But wasn't it Davros himself who said back in uh, either Journey's End or uh, the Stolen Planet, I think that was the name of it, Stolen Earth, uh, that the Doctor takes people and trains them to be his own army? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, earlier than that, in the uh, the two-parter with the Poison Skies, uh, Donna uh, makes that statement, doesn't she? Yeah, I think it's, so. You're right. Uh, that You know, uh, fire and ice and all this kind of thing. Don't worry about your suit. You've just done it on a toxic waste bin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying it more, actually, now while I'm doing the commentary. But um, I still think it's quite a bit weaker than part one. I'm liking... Go ahead. As I say, you've got to actually... You can't let your attention drift. Because then you think, well, what's happening? What's happening? They didn't explain that. And, of course, if you'd listened carefully, they probably did. Sorry, what did you say, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) I'm liking the back and forth more this time than I did the original watching. Yeah. The front facade of that building looks totally fake, though. 
Ah, well, Darth made a point about that. I said that don't forget this is only supposed to be like a training camp, so you'd only sure. you'd only do it enough to simulate. Sure. So to give the ideas, so he said that they could actually get away with that. But I do feel as though most of the budget went on part one. Right. Well, water is expensive too. Why? You know, it doesn't seem like it it would be expensive, but to pump all that water around all over the place and safe electrics and yeah, things, and yeah. to build that elaborate set, you know, yeah, it ain't cheap. And rounding off uh, the cast of the Fisher King, the Triumvirate, yeah, yeah, is uh, Peter Serafinowicz, who uh, is probably most, most well known as being the uh, the voice of Darth Maul in uh, the Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Oh, that's a big part. Yeah. But also played Pete in Join of the Dead. And some people were speculating last week about what this might contain. I think I heard a couple of guesses that it might be the Doctor. I'm going to give another time check. 26 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh. That's the first time we've seen the captain back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this part. It was uh, vaporized right near the beginning. Right. This reminds me a little bit about when, uh, again, we've had a few references to Star Trek, when when they go aboard the Borg ship and the Borg ignore them because, you know, they're completely indifferent to them. Right. Hey, up. I should have paid him by the foot. <laughs> so at what point did you guys think, okay... He's going to get into this suspended animation box. Mm. Probably last episode. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Still would like to know who's doing the voice uh. of the computer. And here he comes. Not quite sure. Is that a weapon attached to his hand? <clears throat> I think on the stills I've seen, he's. It looks like on his left hand he's got like a, a rifle almost connected to it. Mm. I think she does a very good job here, of, of basically portraying. I don't like you. Yeah. Mm. 
Another reference here as well, you know, when I've referenced that this is a bit like Mummy on the Orient Express, we had that situation where the Doctor and the uh, and the companion were separated, and she was doing Doctorish things on that. Um, and that was, remember, supposed to be one of her first adventures with the Doctor, uh, you know, where she was just going on an adventure. Mm. No, actually, wasn't it... Uh... Right after that was supposed to be her final trip, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, what I mean, it was supposed to be just an adventure. Ah, gotcha. You know what I mean? It was just supposed to be, you know, complications about impossible. Ah, yes, got you. And of course, the design of this really is is imposing. There looks a little bit like death, I think. But of course, he he had to have the the ability to scratch into that metal, you know. So he must have had, you know. Right. Nails made of carbonite or something. You know, I want us to take a look in future episodes for the word vector because I've noticed they keep. Vector, I know that's vector? the yeah vector V E C T O R the name of the uh, I think it's vector petroleum, and the only reason I say that is it's just so prominent every time they go to a display, and I know that's the name of whoever they're supposed to be working for or wherever they're at, but it's just, I don't know. It just seems very. Right. Like when, we've seen, like when we've seen Atmos before in an earlier right. scene. I wonder if that, these corridors were like the ones they used in the doctor's wife. Can you remember the doctor's wife one where, the two companions were separated. Right. They were uh, sort corridors. Of, uh, funny corridors that were a little bit like this. Yeah, they're very similar, and there was also uh, a reuse of those in um, in the Demon's Run base. Right. When a good man goes to war. We've also got flavors of the God complex in this episode, haven't we? A little bit with this giant monster, you know, because if you remember the giant. The, the monster in that, and also an, another actress that we thought might be a potential companion, mm. cruelly the, uh, dispatched. Yeah. And the guy from Tripoli or whoever. Uh. <laughs> I, I wonder if the uh, costume designer said, how, to, uh, how high is the ceiling in this room you're going into? <laughs> <laughs> Eight foot, right, we'll make him seven foot nine then. Yeah, it is a gun, yeah. Yeah. But it does look attached to his hand, like you say. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I realised how much music there was in this as well. Right. Quite a lot of atmospheric. Okay, the face, uh, I mean, the ugly, the only word I'd say. Yep. Uh, sort of mandibles and insect-like. Well, you said you turned your heater off, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it took me a while to realise she's deft. Why isn't she hearing him dragging the... Uh, 
the axe. Yeah. I think she can sense there's something wrong. Although, if it's got a wooden handle, he shouldn't be able to carry it. No, I love this. Yeah, the train's coming, Kimasabi. Very well realized. Yeah, that's good. Oh, so what does she didn't... Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Did, did you get a feeling of even like aliens versus predator in that scene right there where he's looking down? It looked like a predator to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I was, all, I was also thinking, did I miss a bit where he got rid of the uh, the words? <laughs> yeah. Is he bluffing? There we go. They didn't look quite as impressive out here in the light. <laughs> no, we didn't. It was like he got a tarpaulin wrapped around him. Ah. Is that tube yeah. sticking out the side? Oh, there's lots of tubes. Yep. So it's almost, it's not clear whether that's armor or part of his body. Ah, he was tricked. Lied. Can't trust anybody nowadays. Nope. And now we know what happened with the other energy device. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the trailer, this looks like he is welcoming right. the water. Like he's bringing it. Right. He caused it. He did this. It's him. I think they should have placed that, um, that cell a bit better because most people know that if you put an explosion up against a wall, the blast will just go out into the – it'll take the easiest route to just go out. Right. He should have wedged it in somewhere. Oh. oh. Love this. Oh. And here comes the water. Perhaps this did spend some money on this episode, but more on effects. Ah, uh, yes. Nice. Yes, it looks like he's doing that there. Yeah. And then he gets literally washed away. He gets swept and course, up in his own... And mach- against machinations. Me, today's show, so it's a while since the Doctor actually killed an alien directly, by direct action. No, get rid of it. I don't want it. I was like, oh, I hope he breaks it. I hope yeah. he breaks the glasses. Don't like it. It's funny you should mention the the God complex, um, like you did earlier, Dave. Um, mm. I was doing some research 
while we've been watching. Uh, the Tavolians um, that the Doctor said he had met before. Um, we met in the God Complex. Right. David Williams, wasn't it? Yeah, he David Williams. Oh, Williams. right, yeah. yeah. David Williams played the little rat guy. That might have been mentioned in the live show as well, but um, definitely... Um, <clears throat> There's certainly quite a few stories where... I mean, I was talking to my brother-in-law, Gary, who said, well, when you think about it, there are only so many stories that you can tell. So, basically, you know, you move the furniture about and tell the same story. Right. Again, quite a lot of explanation had to be given to this one. Maybe they thought it was uh, after the first write of the script, they felt as though it was too impenetrable for a younger audience. Mm. Oh, how to drink your liquid in. Quick yep. before you forget. Mm. Yeah, still got it. Yep, still know how to drink that wine. Mm. I like this part. Yes, because she's talking from real experience here, in, in a sense. Right. Losing Danny Pink. And I like this uh, part too. Well, let's see if she reacts favourably, shall we? Yeah. Uh. And, oh, yep, she does. <laughs> yeah, I think she liked that. Just a little. And I like the scene of him standing off over there, not the really comfortable. Yeah. With the whole situation. The more and more I see of this Tide's interior, the more I like it. And the more I think it was only half built when they first introduced it to us. And again, a lot of exposition. Again, I think Darth mentioned this. That... <laughs> the thing is, should a story be self-explanatory? That's the point. Right. Uh, the point was made on the live show that, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, the Miss Marple murders and that where, you know, the detective tells them, tell them, the assembled group how they solved the crime. Right. And it's like a joke. Is a joke still funny after you have to explain it? Mm. 
Mm. Or is it just a paradox? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Remind me, if you ever tell a joke, I'll ask you to. Re- <laughs> <laughs> if I ever tell a funny one, yeah, that's when yeah. you have to worry. Oh right. See, I didn't like that, but some people did. <laughs> and next time. Oh, the suits are back. Yep. Vikings. Uh, Cyborg Vikings. Uh, Mr. Fibulary. And the girl who has no name. Oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> the girl who has no one. Oh, wait, wrong show. A little bit short of this episode, I think. The first episode was uh, a, a full 45 minutes. This is just a little bit cut down from that. Yeah. And we are done. Yes, done. All right, time for the wrap-up. Well, I'm going to go first because uh, I missed my chance uh, during today's live show. Uh, for sorry, <laughs> uh, I was off doing acting myself. Uh, I was acting myself. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for the the little ad at the the beginning of the show today, Dave. I appreciated it. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, if you're in the Port Charlotte area and you want to come see me on stage. <laughs> Do so. Charlotte Players, yes. Anyway, I digress. Uh, this this episode was a bit of a letdown. Uh, we had a really nice build-up uh, the last episode. A lot of, uh, lot of action. Uh, the pacing was really, really good. Uh, the quiet moments were dispersed throughout, and so you didn't get a real a feeling of it ever slowing down. But on this one, we get an automatic kind of slow down the the action. The pacing just just kind of grinds to a halt almost. Uh, there doesn't seem to be that impending doom. There doesn't seem to be the impending doom of the Doctor that I was hoping for. You know, we get this image at the end of the last episode, and of course the beginning of this episode of the Ghost Doctor and. There's something about killing the Doctor. You shouldn't really ever do that. You Correct. shouldn't really have an impending doom of the Doctor, especially one like this, which shows him completely dead. Because we all know there's a whole series. So he gets out of it. It's just a matter of how. you know. So it's that difficult thing of why do that when you, know, you could kill off a companion. Um you could have somebody join, you know, a couple of episodes ago, like they, they had Adam join up with them, and then but then he left again, you know. We didn't see that coming. Uh, he just got dumped off, you know. Um, but yeah, killing off the Doctor, it's, I don't think it's ever a good idea, uh, especially in this regard. Because then you're either looking for a regeneration, and since we know there hasn't been any casting news, they're either being very, very tight-lipped, or, you know, he didn't die. So we're left with other explanations for it, and I don't know if I quite buy the 
the hologrammatic uh, doctor with a little bit of intelligence added in, and it, it just sounds too convenient. Um, did like the idea of you know the doctor going back on his own timeline yet again, and uh, and and watching these events unfold. You know, while but you know, not saving that girl, big mistake. She could have come up in other episodes. We've got, uh, we've got Zygons coming up, so that, and hopefully more unit, so she could have popped up again as a as a reoccurring character, and that would have been nice. Uh, but what do you do? Um, so overall, I mean, you could put the two of these back to back with, uh, you know, and, and cut out the. You know the flashbacks to last week, etc., and put them together as a movie-like thing, and it wouldn't be too bad. It's just as two separate entities. The the second episode falls flat, and I think the explanation is a bit. It's one of those things. Like I said at the end, if you have to explain the joke, is it really that much? Is it really funny anymore? You know, if you have to explain what we just saw, was it really entertaining? You know. So yeah, that's about it for me, I think. Dave? I was signing again. I was signing again. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah not posted in signing. Yeah, a um, couple of points just to pick up from what you just said there. I mean, um, yes, it was nice to see the Doctor where we, we saw that scene where there were two uh, tardis eye. Uh, uh, there. But then again, if you go back to the ninth Doctor story, Father's Day... How how the doctor berated um, Rose, uh, you know, for 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 that when there were there were two of them watching. She was watching her father, and then they were watching them again. And 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 he said how dangerous it was. Right. Um, so that was different. But the, uh, the Tardis did this to him. He didn't actually choose to go. Well, back half true. an hour. The Tardis took it upon itself to do that. Right. But uh, I agree with most of what you said. Um, I think it was it was unbalanced, really, that we had... Even though I felt as though there was quite a bit of repetition in part one, I, I'm not too sure there was really enough material for a two-part here. Now, one of the things that we were debating, and, 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 and I was one of the people, uh, along with others, that, that felt as though, although... It's like buses, you know, you want a two-parter to come along and all of a sudden we've got four two-parters coming along, right. uh, which means that there may have been a story that needed to be stretched into a two-parter. Now, there's obviously benefits to that. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, sets done in this, awful lot of special effects, lots of CGI done in it. and uh, But, of course, the advantage of doing a two-parter is the same costumes can be used for both. Um the, the amount of set work that needed to be done in that village. Um, uh, and again, it was a question, why, why would it be, why, why pick a military base? It seemed a bit incongruous there. But um, my, my thought for that was the fact that, um, well, the doctor didn't need to worry that innocent bystanders were going to get flooded. I mean, if this was a normal Welsh village, you know, you could have had some crofters here and Scots. sheep farms there. And, and basically he could have wiped out 30 or 40 innocents along with this uh, this alien. 
the alien was very impressive in a sense, not too good in daylight, but very impressive, very imposing. Mm. But yeah, was basically um, uh, dismissed uh, in, by a single blow, as it were. Um, and we've had this before in the past in uh, in Doctor Who, where you know everything builds up to um, when we've had a single episode, it's gone up to forty odd minutes, and then you you think, well, how's he going to do it? And then a button is pressed. And the villain is vanquished, and it felt a little bit as though this this villain had been brushed aside. We get an awful lot of um, drawing on our similarities with uh, these other stories we've already alluded to. Um, uh, the Mummy on the Orient Express for me, but uh, the God Complex and others. Um, I suppose you could even say unfavorably, of course, with Midnight, where you've got, you know, real tension of uh, things happening. Uh, what do I think? What else do I want to add? Yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a damp squid, uh, not just the water. Part one, uh, I was not thinking it was a classic, but I thought it was a very st- strong episode after the second or third viewing. Uh, but this one, it's just coming up to average on the second or third viewing. So um, maybe this is one of those stories that would have been better done as a, a 60 minute special, um, you know, a la Waters of Mars uh, and done in one whole story. Um, but the acting was good. It was nice to see a, 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 a disparate range of actors come in. Uh, they all did a, a, a great job. Uh, we had this um, sort of, Teased of somebody who could possibly be um, uh, companion material. We had Clara uh, becoming ever more doctorish in her attitude to the people she meets. She had to correct herself when I need you to do this for me. I mean, do it for us. Um, she's not averse to putting people in harm's way uh, because she knows that uh, without that they'll all die, and therefore somebody has to be put in danger to just increase the chances for everybody we've got um an example of her uh saying to the doctor that a little bit i mean there are some countries aren't there where if you save somebody's life um that you become brothers or something you know you you you, you there's a the moral obligation and she now seems to think the doctor has a moral obligation to you know not not abandon her um and she calls upon that you know uh, you, if you love me in in whichever way, then you'll do this for me. And I think, of course, Clara uh, and Jenna, the actress, uh, are marvellous. I don't really want to go. Uh, and I'm quite happy to be in as many stories as they want where she is a companion and, and not this impossible girl. So before I hand over to Kyle, let me just say that... Um, you do need to watch this more than once or twice with subtitles. But on the other hand, should the storytellers, the writers, be asking that of their viewers? Should they be saying, well, you know, um, I mean, this is the the old story I used to think about, the pop music scene. You know, uh, they have to be so bland and so catchy and so repetitive so that you love it on one listening. Um, uh, but the great classics are the ones that you can listen to again and again and get more things from it. Um, maybe I'll find more in this. But I think the biggest and final comment I made is that it was the unbalanced nature of the two halves. And part two 
was a little bit of an anticlimax. On first viewing, quite a lot of an anticlimax and um, not as powerful as the first two parts. But still, uh, of the four episodes I've watched so far, I think we've had three very strong ones and one adequate episode. So over to Kyle. Well, listening to both of you, I'm going to say that I agree with both of you um, for different reasons. Uh, With what Ian said, I agree that I'm tired of the stories of the Doctor's impending doom. Doctor Who is too much of a cash cow, so to speak, for the BBC for the character to literally be killed off. So there should be other plot devices other than how can we put the doctor in danger, put, put the companions in danger, put the people where he's at. But the whole idea of the doctor dies, we've been there, we've done that until um, we get to a regeneration, you know, let it rest, unless it's what one of you said, there has been a regeneration that's coming and we just don't know about it yet. They're kept it under wraps, which I think with social media and all of that good stuff, that's very hard to do. Um, as far as Clara goes, I agree. She is becoming a lot more like him. And I think that's purposely done for storyline purposes. And I would be happy for her to stick around as well, Dave. But I think again, that's storyline purposes. As far as the story goes, um, I agree. First episode, much stronger than this episode. I commented before we started recording that I felt this was rushed. And it, watching it again, this my second time watching it, it did feel a little bit rushed. I did like the bouncing back and forth between the two, um, you know, the future and the past. I also like the fact that what in the previews looked like the Fisher King bringing the water was actually his destruction, which should teach us whatever we see in the uh, preview clips that they release, pretty much take it with a grain of salt. Um, As a whole, I think it's a great story. It's a good story. I enjoyed it minus Missy being in there. I did enjoy it much better than I did with the first two-part story with Davros, However, you know, as this as a total story, I agree that probably a 60 or 70 minute would have sufficed. It did feel a little rushed. And finally, my final thought is, wow, I wish he could have um, tore the or broken the sonic uh, sunglasses there at the end. But alas, he didn't. So that's my take. All righty. And uh, I've just got a couple of things to add. Uh, if you're rewatching this, uh, another couple of things to look out for, uh, or one thing in particular, on top of the uh, amp that we so uh, um, dutifully noticed, it uh, said Magpie Electronics on it. Uh, there's actually a Clockwork Squirrel <laughs> sitting on top of the amp. Uh, thanks to Mike Faber from uh, Earth Station, uh, who for pointing that out on Facebook. Yes, I, I do other kinds of research while I'm while I'm doing these. <laughs> Helps to have Doctor Who friends. And also uh, Kirby Barrett Sloan for uh, posting these too. Uh, Prentice also mentioned in Before the Flood uh, that they were ruled uh, by the Fisher King for 10 years. 
until they were delivered by the Arcatinians. Um, and we've actually seen an Arcatinian uh, twice um, in the Sarah Jane Adventures uh, pilot episode, Invasion of the Bane, and the Torchwood story, uh, Greeks Bearing Gifts. So there you go. Um, and I think they were probably both written by Toby as well. I don't know. Um, so yeah, those are two other things to look out for when you're rewatching them and uh, to go back and watch these other stories as well to um, to see these other characters that have been mentioned. So that about wraps it up for us. Um, I would like to thank Kyle Jones for joining us on these two commentaries. Um, I think he's well, uh, gotten a lot smarter, haven't you? Absolutely. Uh, I think so. I think my IQ, what do you think, Dave? Has it increased a little bit? Oh, I think it's been a very uplifting experience for you, yes. Uh, the gravity of the situation. And, um, yeah, didn't leave your head spinning around there. So, um, well, you know, on, actually, onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. You know, I was thinking uh, might go join UNIT or, well, since I'm in the States, um, what's NASA? Ah, I, I might join them. I'd be great at NASA. Yeah. That sounds like an idea. Yeah, NASA yeah. scientist on a cult and collective commentary. Oh, hmm. I wonder yeah. if that's plausible. <laughs> I, believe, I believe they do very nice ice cream and fries there as well. Yes, they do. They do. Very nice. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Sorry, what? Huh? No, I was saying it has been, regardless of, of anything, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you on, sir, and thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, I know uh, Mike knows that uh, his chair is in good hands while he's absent. Um, but, of course, we're looking forward to his return soon. As soon as Moffat's done with this season. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it until we talk all over the top of the next episode of Doctor Who. So, until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Kyle Jones. Goodbye from Mr. Dave Cooper. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. You have to think of your motto. Learn that motto. What? Mop the floor. Don't forget to don't forget to fasten your bootstrap. <laughs> Or else you'll have a paradox. Paradox? What? Paradox Martins? <laughs>